Your reality is spiritual. His truth is His truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. Father, we thank you for... Um, I just thank you for the release of your spirit in that worship. I thank you for your presence here. And we know that you are already working, that you are, you are healing and you are freeing. We are healed and we're free, and yet we know, Father, and we thank you that you are healing, <laughs> you are freeing, you are bringing us into everything you have to give. And Father, I ask that every heart here would be unwilling to have anything less than everything you plan to give us. In the name of Jesus. <clears throat> so... We're, um, we're in the second message of a, of a new series here on rest. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to begin by, I'm going to repeat, I'm even going to go through some of the scriptures again, some of the things that we did last week. And that's because right now, at the beginning of this series, I just feel so, so strongly that it's so important that we have a foundation for where we're going. Um, and so one of the things we talked about last week is that rest is not just like another Christian issue. <laughs> it's not just, you know, there are these topics. We could study spiritual gifts or we could study um, a whole list of, of things we can come up with and we could do a study and that, that would be worthwhile, that would be worth our time. But what the Lord is impressing on me is that rest is not one of those. <laughs> and it's a little bit new for me. I'm kind of walking through this with you. Let me just tell you transparently. Um, the revelation that's coming to me on this is a lot of it is brand new even for me. I'll just put it out there. But you know how it is. When you start to get light, it becomes clearly obvious. You've all had this experience. You're like, how have I not recognized either this at all or the weight? of this thing. And I think rest is one of those. It's not a side issue. It is core to his nature. I mean, it's literally core to everything he calls over us. And we talked about it last week. Why? Because it's, it's core to him. And unlike us, God has absolute integrity. And so, and he's a God of his ways. He doesn't, um, okay, so he has destinations. He has plans, and he is not going to fail in those. And you can make that personal. We could do a study this morning on all the scripture and all the ways that he shows us that he has plans over you. He has plans for you, destinations, that he is going to bring you to, and he's not going to fail. But, but now here's what's critical. He's not a God who cares merely about the destination. He's a God of ways. He's not just, we're going to get there any old way. He's a God of, I have my ways, and that is how we're going to get there. By my ways. Because, and, and why is that true? His ways are merely the expression of who he is. Okay? All the destinations are good, but the ways are an expression of who he is. It's just him expressing his extravagant love over you, and that's his ways. 
Am I doing okay? Are you tracking? Okay. And last week we saw that um, literally in the freeing of the people from Egypt, the very first encounter of Moses and Aaron with Pharaoh in their, in their obedience to this assignment from the Lord was to confront him on merely asking for, we want a weekend. <laughs> we want a weekend off to do Sabbath things. That was the very first encounter. So you see that this is, the concept of rest is first with God. Isn't that crazy? We talked about the first thing Jesus offers. What does he say? He says, come to me and I will give you rest. It's the first thing. Is that the only thing he's going to give you? <laughs> now, he's got so many gifts, we will not, we will not um, deplete them over eternity the things that he's going to give you because he's delighted over you like that because you're, you're his child. <laughs> you're a son of God. The, the gifts are never going to stop. But first, he says, come to me and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke, which requires laying down another one, right? In order, you can't wear two yokes or at least I wouldn't try it. Um, <laughs> and the word of God makes it clear that you can't. There's the laying down of a yoke to put another one on and because his is easy. Because he's gentle, okay? Um, also in review, you know, just go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 12. And we're just going to, we're going to hit things that are foundational. And these are going to carry with us all the way through this series. And I'm not pretending to know how long we're going to be in this series. Um, to be determined. <laughs> and let me tell you this. I have to give you one more caution, Okay. In, he laid the foundations of things that he wanted you to understand about his nature in the giving of the law and in the giving of Sabbath, okay? It teaches you things that are, that are deeply true about him and so therefore deeply true about his ways and the way he loves you, right? But so I have this concern. Two weeks in a row, we're talking about Sabbath, and something and in this bigger concept of rest, okay? And something that you could do is begin to form a legalism or think that I've been called to stand up here and talk about um, the need to dedicate a day off or something like that. But let's, let's be clear. This is a physical picture that is leading us into a far deeper reality that I believe by the end of this series should you choose to accept the mission, it's going to change your life. I believe that or I wouldn't be doing it. Um, I'm not into wasting time. I don't have a lot of extra time. Anybody else? Okay, so, so don't do that. I want to tell you that as we study Sabbath, as we look at what God says about it and how it is for you, not you for it, but it is for you. We are learning something deep that is leading us into far deeper levels of rest that God wants to give. Is that fair? Don't do the legalism thing. We'll have to kick you out because we don't do that here. <laughs> we are not merely talking about a day off or a long weekend like they were asking Pharaoh for. <laughs> three-day weekend, three-day weekend. <laughs> Who doesn't love that? But he said no. And it led God saying, well, they're getting completely free then. The tyranny of the world's not going to win. Okay, now go to Deuteronomy 5.12. Here it says, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy 
as the Lord your God commanded you. Now just notice it is a command. He's commanding it. And do you all remember from last week, what's the penalty for failing to uphold the command in the law? Death. Now let me remind you that it's not that God wants you dead. It's not that he wants some, you, know, you to be killed like the law commanded. It's that, and we have to say this, it's that when we don't, Get, when we don't align with his ways, we are already dying. Do you get it? In all of these Ten Commandments and the other things that the Lord commands where there's consequence attached, we now live in a new covenant, um, in a new covenant where, where in the grace, in the mercy of God, in the grace of God, it's really just a physical picture of a spiritual reality that you live in. Death is the consequence he doesn't have to kill you. When you don't align with his ways of rest, you are already inviting death and killing yourself. That's the point. Okay, so it's commanded in verse 13, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. Now let me tell you something about Sabbath, and here's where we're starting. Sabbath merely means to cease. To, to stop it. It merely means to stop the laboring. Now, um, unless I'm mistaken, before we finish today, we're going to find out what exactly we're stopping and what exactly starts in rest. Does that sound good? You want that? Okay. It goes on and says, <laughs> you need some of that? Okay. It goes on and says, in it you shall do no work. Now listen. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, nor any of your cattle, listen close, nor your stranger. You notice that that's a possessive word, and it actually is that way. I checked it out. Your stranger. <laughs> Odd, huh? Listen what it says next. Nor your stranger who is within your gates. Okay, you, do, you know, do you know you're not responsible for everything? Go, let's do this together. <laughs> Can't be responsible for everything. But I am responsible for what's in my gates. What does that mean? This is telling us that the rest of God, something that is core to who he is and core to what he gives to his people, is it is supposed to be that whatever is within the realm of your authority gets to have the things of the kingdom because of the presence of God over you. Do you get it? There's even a sense of responsibility here. This is in, in a passage that is commanding that even your stranger, why is it your stranger? It's within your gates. It's within the realm of your responsibility and he promises you have authority for everything that is within the realm of your responsibility. Now do this with me. He doesn't promise you anything that's within the realm of the responsibility of the person sitting next to you. Uh, you're that's right. Now maybe the exception is marriage, right? Because he says he does this miracle thing to become one. All of a sudden, the, the, what is within your gates merges in that covenant, in that miracle covenant. You got it? That's what's tremendous and scary and horrible and wonderful <laughs> about marriage. <laughs> okay. 
So there's a corporate, a corporate sense to this thing. We have a responsibility for each other, at least as much as what is within in the realm of your authority, of your calling, of your gates. Okay? Now I better move on. Okay, and it, go <laughs> it goes on and says that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Now I'm just going to put out there that this just goes to the um, freely you've received, freely give. That's here in this. <laughs> it, I mean, it's, it's implicit right here in this that um, as well as you, it ends saying, that, that, that all of them may rest as well as you because you're freely giving this presence of God that, who at his core is rest. And now it gets so interesting. The here I did focus last week. I'm going to say it again anyway. Verse 15, and remember. So now he begins the remember thing attached to this whole passage. He says, remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Why is that important? In other words, now we're getting to, to what is so core. The, the whole concept of Sabbath, the whole concept of, of rest is intricately attached to the fact that he's the God who sets you free. By his power, he sets you free. By crossing the universe to die on a cross. Now I know here we're reading about Egypt and freedom, the physical picture of this, of this deeper spiritual reality. He dies on a cross. He paid the ultimate price to make you free. Why is, it so, why is it so core and so important that we understand something about God's rest? Because he paid everything to make you a free people and free people inherit rest. So essentially God is saying, my sons and daughters are not going to act like a bunch of slaves. It doesn't fly in my family. You got it? That's what he's saying. He said, you're a free people and you get all the blessing of free people. In fact, it's so brutally not okay with me if you don't receive and live by the things of free people that it angers him. And I think we're going to read some of that. And there are consequences like death. In other words, you're choosing your way to death when you choose against his ways. And his ways are you're free and free people get rest. Because it ends there by saying, therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Why do you keep the Sabbath day? That's a big therefore. <laughs> because of the remembrance of this thing that he's done for you. He's made you free. Therefore, Therefore, you'll keep the Sabbath. It's not a Christian side note. It's not just another subject we can do a series on. I'm, I'm, it's just the revelation is flooding me that it is absolutely core. And, and uh, we're about to read that we're to be diligent to enter. So we have a part in agreeing with the culture, with, with God's family culture, or he calls it lack of faith. He calls it disobedience. It's not crazy. I've got a lot to learn. My idea of, uh, of rest is a, is a whole day set aside so I can do a lot of work on my house. And I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> and I'm not even talking about just a day off, just recreation, just rest. We're going to get to where we're going to talk about the deep 
things of rest is where it's really going. Uh, Go with me to Leviticus 23 and verse 23. Now here, actually, this, this is laying out there that you are going astray in your mind if you're turning this into a legalism thing because this particular passage is talking about the Feast of Trumpets. So in other words, there's not just like Sabbath is not just um, Sunday or like let's argue about whether it's supposed to be Saturday or Sunday or which day of the week. Sabbath is something so core. It's bigger to God in terms of this is a Sabbath that occurs on the seventh month. And if I'm not mistaken, Jewish scholars, is it a week? It's a week Sabbath that starts on the first day of the seventh month, unless I have that wrong, and I might. But it's, it's bigger. He has levels of rest to the Sabbath. So verse 23, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing trumpets. Now stop, stop there for a minute. This is, um, first of all, you know the Feast of Trumpets is the, is the remaining feast that Jesus has yet to entirely fulfill. That's what we're waiting for in the Jewish calendar. At least I'm waiting. Are you waiting? Okay, waiting. Um, and we know we get this. So this is a waiting that has a sure hope. Uh, but the Feast of Trumpets is God's picture of this. And here it says, Uh, a memorial. Now I want you to know what memorial means is a memorable thing. The blowing of trumpets, making this a memorable thing. It would have been, it would have created an experience from body to soul to spirit. Um, Have you all been to a pro hockey game? Oh my gosh, I'm going to pray for you. (laughs) You're missing the whole concept of rest. (laughs) And it, it may be true in other types of sporting, but, but what I think of when I read this is it's like when, um, when they get the goal, okay, and of course everybody goes crazy, and then they blow that foghorn that's so loud you can feel it like vibrate the cells of your body. And it creates this rapturing experience where you're pretty sure that the scoring of this goal is the most significant thing that's ever going to happen in the history of man. This is neat. <laughs> That's what this is. This is a particular Sabbath where they are, where it should be a memorable thing by the blowing of trumpets. This rapturing experience, because I'm sure that when Jesus comes back, well, let me read the next words, and you'll understand why I'm telling you this. It goes on and says, a holy convocation. Remember, holy just means dedicated. Convocation literally translates as meeting, and wait for it, Rehearsal. Isn't that something? That the Sabbath is a rapturing experience that is, that is a rehearsal for a deeper rest, a deeper level of gift that is to come in Jesus Christ. And they were being told all the way back here that this is a dedicated rehearsal. I was thinking that while we were worshiping this morning, and we're saying, great, I am. We could have just kept singing that for like three more hours, as far as I'm concerned. But I could just feel the sense of this is, this is rehearsal. We're blowing the trumpet. Our worship, anointed worship team is blowing the trumpets up here. We are joining in this in a rapture of singing who he is. This is a rehearsal of a deeper rest 
that's to come. Now, I'm going to tell you something. The word of God, and this is critical. I'm telling you this because it's foundational to um, this whole series that we're going to be teaching. You're going to find a paradoxical thing that goes on in the word of God, but it's, it's really not a paradox. It just feels like it. One is, he is always saying there's a deeper level of rest coming for you. Always. And he does it over and over. And, and if we get far, we're, we're not nearly as far as I thought we'd be. <laughs> so we may not. But if we get to it this morning, there are places where he says, like in the day of David, there will be a certain type of rest. You got it, in, and then and then in the day of, and it, it keeps jumping to the next day, in the day of Jesus Christ. So now after the work of Christ, we're in a time that already has a deeper level, a deeper spiritual reality operating of our rest. You got it? And I'm telling you this because you're going to see this over and over, and I want you to get it and not be confused by it. We are always being called into the prophecy of a deeper rest. And yet, here's the paradox. In every single passage, every single time, he's also always saying, enter my rest in this day. Don't harden your hearts, but enter my rest in this day. So no matter what day you're in, he is, there is a call to be diligent to enter his rest knowing that this is leading us into an entry of deeper rest. You got it? Okay, now let's look at that in the Word of God. I just felt like it goes back and forth, and I didn't want you to be confused, so I'm putting that out there. Um, and let's go on and read that. Actually, I've got to finish this. Verse 25, you shall do no customary work on it. Speaking of the Sabbath, okay? Customary work. I'm going to show you that that's actually, it's not two words. It's actually one word. I'm going to tell you what it is. And it goes on and says, And you shall off, offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. I think we're, going to, we're not going to get that because um, it will lead me too far off course for one morning. But customary work. I've got to tell you this. It's one word, which is um, obadah, which um, does translate as work of any kind. But in the roots, as you begin to divide the word to find out the root of this word, it has in it um, acts of bondage or the activities of a, of a servant or a slave. It literally comes from a root, abad, which means to keep in bondage um, or to compel acts of bondage. In other words, what they're being commanded to lay down, and now I'm going to show you this, are the things of bondage, the labor that is, a, that is from this world, the bondage of this world, is what's laid down. Just hang on to that. Hang on to that. We're going to get to that. Um, but you've got to remember that. Literally, in the words, what he's commanding to lay down, since say it one more time, is the bondage of this world. It's the labor. It's the striving. It's the anxiety. It's the slavery stuff that is laid down into the deeper rest of God. Okay. All right, I'm moving now. Now I'm going to show you. Go to Psalm 95 and verse 7. We looked at this a little bit last week. This is scripture quoting scripture. <laughs> and it says, Today, if you will hear his voice. Now that's what I was talking about. There's always, a, no matter what day you're in, 
God calls it today. In other words, the, the work of God, in other words, the gifts of God, what he has to give you is always today. Hopefully that works for you. Um, goes on and says, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Now, I'm just going to tell you, it's talk, this is talking specifically about their lack of understanding who God is, the core of his nature being rest when they were in the wilderness. And it goes on and says, now listen, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, though they saw my work. That's the definition of a hard heart not moving into his ways even though you see him. And it says, For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, listen, it's a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. Why was he grieved? Because they didn't know his ways. They didn't align with him. They, they, uh, they went astray in their hearts, which is lack of alignment, making them not capable of entering into his ways. So he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Okay. Um, now I want you to go with me. And try, I'm almost done with this foundational stuff, and, and this will be good. This will be good. Um, in Hebrews chapter 4, go there. And I think last week I told you if you want to be studying, study um, Hebrews um, chapter 13 and 14. Don't do that. There is no chapter 14 <laughs> you'll have a really hard time with that assignment um i meant to say three and four. Oh, did i oh well then my notes were wrong and god corrected it so i said it right <laughs> and here's what i was talking about verse six chapter four verse six says since therefore it remains that some must enter it speaking of rest and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Notice it's disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day. So do you see that? There's a deeper rest in the future, but he is ever saying, today is a day to enter my rest. Saying in David, there's David's day, saying all the way back there, today, after such a long time, it has been said, today, if you'll hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Can you believe how many times over and over we're seeing that not entering into God's rest is the product of a hardening heart or a hard heart if it's already in that state. And it goes and says, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Now here it is. This is why we're doing this. Verse 10, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Now let's pick this apart for a minute. Verse 10 again. For he who has entered his rest, that's capital H, he who's entered God's rest has himself also ceased from lowercase, lowercase h, from his works as God did from his, capital H. In other words, look, God modeled it. Um, did, did, do you think God was just worn out, tired after the creation of the world in the Genesis story? Now, he was, he, he's just true to his nature. He has absolute integrity. He, his ways are an emanation of who he is. So he stopped and rested. Why? Because it's who he is. He's a rester. 
<laughs> he's, he's a free God where his people were a free people. And here it's saying, so what do we rest from? It's saying, he who's entered the rest of God, and the rest of God, in other words, ceases from his works. That's a taking of Jesus' yoke. How, how many of you have any acquaintance with the wearing out of yourself trying to get needs met, trying to meet core longing, trying to, uh, trying to figure out why I'm so broken, trying to, and, and you've worked and you've worked and you've worked until, until you've got like almost no work left in you. This, <laughs> getting little reactions all over the place. Um, it's true of everybody in the building or you don't have a clue about yourself. <laughs> okay he made you with core need that is only filled by him the sabbath rest of god is a ceasing from your works and falling into the hands of a loving god who does the work who holds the work he never stops working we sang about it this morning and jesus says i never stop working because my father's working and so therefore i'm working you got it the Sabbath rest of God is a laying down of that striving. Sure, it's a day off. Take a week. I'm not trying to steal your weekend. Take a weekend. <laughs> but I'm telling you there's a deeper thing that we're moving into here to understand that the Sabbath rest of God is reaching a season of light, reaching a knowledge of him <laughs> where we can actually rest, where our works can cease and we can just do the trust fall. We can fall backwards into the hands of a God that, that's got it. He's got you. He meets all the longing, all the need. He's got everything you need in rest. Okay, now I'm going to show you. I'm going to skip about 15 pages. <laughs> And I'm going to show you some really good stuff. Manna. What is it? Do you know what it is? It's what is it? it literally, did you know that the main means what? <laughs> Have you all had provisions? Where you've prayed for something and you knew God answered and like you get your answer and you're like, what? <laughs> That's manna. <laughs> It's rarely what we think we need and what we're praying for. It's like, you know, it says Jesus intercedes on our behalf. I have a feeling, you know what that looks like? It's like, oh, I should have come up with a good example. I'm praying and I'm saying, um, I'm saying, Lord, I really need, I don't really pray like this, but I really need the latest model of the new Ford pickup. And Jesus turns to the Father and he goes, he goes, um, I don't think he knows what he's praying at. What he's really asking for is, is a Datsun. <laughs> and the Lord says, okay, give it to him. I think he can handle the size of that gift. And this is what Jesus does. Manna is what? If they got just all of the luxury, and that's what we're about to read about. Do you know that God doesn't withhold anything because he doesn't want you to have anything? You know, there's nothing good that he doesn't want you to have. Why would he ever withhold for a season anything from you? Because he's not going to curse you with what you can't handle. Okay, so um, go to Exodus chapter 16 with me. And we're going to read about manna. Um, 
It starts and it says, and they journeyed from Elam. Elam is plural of like, it literally is the plural word for palm trees. So in other words, this is a place that's like life in the desert. In the middle of the desert, there's an o- it's an oasis in the desert. And all the congregation of the children of Israel came to the wilderness of sin. I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> Although when you research it, there's no deep meaning. It leaves me frustrated. I don't want to talk to, to, to a really wise rabbi someday. They probably know. I just can't find it. There's no deep meaning in the word sin there. It's just, but anyway, the wilderness of sin, which is between Elam and Sinai. Okay, you got it? So, so in the desert, a place of oasis in the desert between where the glory of God fell to give them everything they need to be healthy and whole, the law, the first shadow of that. Anyway, that's where they're at. Okay, so then on the 15th day of the second month, after they departed from the land of Egypt. Then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness, and the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. (laughs) That's got to be you. <laughs> they're complaining, okay? They're, they're complaining. And, uh, and I got to put this out there. Do you know it's reversed? Like um, in the thoughts of man, it got reversed. I want you to notice they noticed the pots of meat before they noticed eating bread to the full. In a minute, we see that in God's thinking, it's exactly reversed when he speaks of those two things. Pots of meat are luxury, um, uh, what was it? Yeah, just just living living high on the hog, right? Pots of meat, and um, and bread is the daily sustenance. Okay, now we're about to read about this, and this is huge. Now listen in verse four. The Lord said to Moses, "Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota." I wish I had time to go into that, but let me just give you the one second version. He gives everybody exactly what they need. There are places where we may read it, but there are places where it says those who gathered little had plenty and those who gathered much had plenty. And everybody, no matter what you gathered, God's bread is exactly what you need. But here it is. He says, so let the people go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Isn't that interesting that I'll test them? Now, this is the second time we're reading about test or trying him. Before it was us trying him, now he's trying us. Are you catching it? Now, th- we talked about this, but what's the test? Is, that he say, is it that he's saying, you're not going to enter my deeper levels of rest unless you prove yourself worthy or something, unless you work, what is it saying? It's, it's what I just alluded to a moment ago. He's saying, um, I'm not going to curse you with what you can't handle. If anything, the test is, what are you ready for? I want to give you everything I got. My gifts have no end to them. His gifts over you. He's going to give you everything he's got. Because he's nuts about you like that. And his promises have no end. He is eternity. Okay, um, 
I better, I better stick to what I'm doing here. But that's the test, whether they will walk in my law or not. And it shall be on the sixth day that they shall prepare what they bring in, and it shall be... Now listen, here's the command. On the sixth day, what's the sixth day represent? Do you got it? It's the preparation for the Sabbath. That's the reason the test... The word test appears right here with the command that comes next. In other words, will you prepare yourself, be diligent to enter in. I might have skipped that verse this morning. Be diligent to enter in. And the sixth day is the diligence to enter in. Are you tracking? It's the day before the Sabbath. Because on the sixth day, they gather twice as much as they gather daily. You tracking? Now I'm going to show you the most incredible gold. This next part was so convicting for me that um, that I just had to sit with it for a while because it's just so. I, there are principles where you have to stop and ask yourself, "Do I believe this? And if I do, what am I doing?" <laughs> now let me show you this. Um, go to. I'm going to have to do a lot of skipping. Read this whole chapter. That's. Uh, that's my assignment for you. But um, let's go to, how about, verse, um, verse 20. Let's, let's just go all the way to verse 20. Make sure I'm not leaving something. Yeah, yep. Good question. I'm still in Exodus chapter 16, and let's go to verse 20. Okay, so he says, um, it says, notwithstanding, they, no, actually, that's too late. Go to verse 17, and I'm going to stick with it this time. Verse 17 says, Then the children of Israel did so and gathered some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who gathered much, and this is what I was talking about, had nothing left over, and he, he who gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. Now here it comes, verse 19. It says, And Moses said, Let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning, and it bred worms and stank. What's the principle here? In other words, it's God's daily provision cannot be hoarded. You've all heard this one before, I'm sure. You can hoard this up. It's not going to last. It's d d a, a relationship of intimacy and dependence on him is the way he provides. You can't hoard that. Relationship is ongoing. But now we're getting to good stuff. And Moses was angry with them, so they gathered it every morning. Why did they do it? Did you catch it? Moses was angry with them. <laughs> so... They gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. Do you see the motive of heart is not exactly tracking when you pay attention to these words? And then it goes on and says, um, and when the sun became hot, it melted. Speaking of the manna. Now, I'm going to give you the biggest principle. And we are starting to wrap here, so track with me. All of this was leading here. Verse 22. And so it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, two omers for each one. And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest. 
a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you'll bake today and boil what you'll boil and lay up for yourselves all that remains to be kept until morning. Why is this such a huge principle? And this is where I've got a question for you. I wonder what you believe. It was challenging for me. I've read it before. (laughs) But it was challenging for me. This just told us that God does provide for your rest. It's that simple. So far, the principle is that simple. He does provide for your rest. And I mean that in terms of as simple as the Sabbath. You're killing yourself if you don't take one. I'm not putting legalism on you. I'm just saying you get to choose. You're a free people. And it doesn't have to be a particular day. It may not be a whole day. I don't know what God's calling over your life. But what I know is he does provide for your rest. And I don't know that we believe that. I know I struggled. I don't know in this culture if we believe. How many of you keep working so hard, so hard in order to get get what I need, in order to provide for my family? (laughs) And what is the belief there? Do we believe that core to his nature, that he provides for your rest? You are the beloved. You're a son of God, and he provides for your rest. Will you say that with me? He provides for my rest. Do you believe it? Okay, now go with me. It gets better. This is leading through three Three steps that are principles that I believe that um, if you're as convicted as me, it's about to change your life. Verse 24. So they laid, it, um, they laid it up until morning as Moses commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Isn't that odd? Every other day when they gathered more, <laughs> it was a spirit of greed. What was it really? Why were they prohibited from entering rest in the book of Hebrews? Uh, identified in the book of Hebrews. Huh? Disobedience. It was lack of faith that led to disobedience. Right? That was the failure to enter his rest. Are you tracking? Now, we can talk about a day off. We can talk about the deep rest that we're going to get to in this series. Either way, it's lack of faith that leads to not believing in God's provision, in the goodness of his nature. Here, what he provided for two days' worth that they gather on the sixth day, it didn't rot. In other words, absolute clear evidence that he provides for our rest goes on and says, Then Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Now listen to me. There's another, there's another thing here. Whether we're talking about your day off, you're the rest that your body needs, or we're talking about the deeper things of the Spirit that we're going to, um, when, you go, <laughs> when you go to win it for yourself by, uh, by, by overworking, whether it's for your money or for the things of your spirit, I'm going to work for this. I'm going to overwork. I'm not going to fall into trust and obedience in the rest of God. And I'm going to go get it. I'm going to keep working. You're not going to find it in the field. Are you catching it? When they went out, when they were supposed to be resting, because they're a free people, because God bought them that for them, because they're sons of God, he wanted to give them rest. 
That's our good God. And when they went out to work, instead, and when they acted like slaves, instead of free people, and, when, and they went out to work when they weren't supposed to be, they weren't getting any fruit from it anyway. You realize they had, they had to put the same work in. They had to, I don't, I'm not sure exactly how it was, like if they walked a mile, or I don't know if it was right on the other side, but they had to grab their pots. These were big clay pots. They had to walk out in the heat of the desert in the morning. They had to go out. They had to gather, and you know they went through all exactly the same work. They gathered up their stuff. They went to go grab provisions, provisions that weren't there because they weren't doing it God's way. God's way has rest. And not entering into God's way did not give them anymore. In fact, what we find out in the long run in the story is that it kept them, the entire generation, from entering into the deeper rest that they were walking through a testing for. It stole the inheritance of a deeper rest that he had coming for them. I think we're doing this. I think we're doing this in this country. I think I'm doing this in my life. <laughs> I'm asking God to help me with it. You too? Amen. Two of us in here. <laughs> two of us need to learn something. <laughs> now, I'm not done yet. There's one more thing. It just, it just goes on. It's unbelievable and unbelievably convicting for me. It goes on. I'm not sure if I'm skipping or not, but look at verse 27. It says, Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. Oh, actually, I, I did that. That's good. And Moses said, Now, but listen to the response. Moses said, How long do you refuse? Or I'm sorry, Moses didn't say. The Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, he gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no man go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, here's the thing. This is why I warned you at the beginning. Um... I'm going to start wrapping here, but this is why I warned you. It would be so easy to walk out of here thinking that I'm that what the Lord's asked of me to do is to leap like heap like a legalism around the Sabbath day or something onto your life, and that's not what I'm doing. I have a feeling some of you in here have jobs where it's not even an option, and that job is a provision from God to you. <laughs> and I'm not advocating a day off. I, I'm, well, I am. I mean, take a day off. I'm advocating that. Um, take a week. I advocate a month. Um, but what I'm really saying is, is um, this is leading us to deeper things, and I'm absolutely convinced if we can't understand, if we can't get a grasp on the most basic principles of the fact that, that our God is a freedom God. He's the God who with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm has set you free because he delights in you like that. And one of the gifts of a free people, of a member of his family, is rest. It includes a day off and it includes far deeper things that we're going to start digging into. But if we can't get it, if we can't grasp that on Sabbath and these principles that you can't hoard it up, 
you can't, um, it doesn't make any sense to, um, to go out um, to, to think that you're going to produce more blessing for your, for your life by sacrificing the rest, the freedom that God offers. If we can't do it with this simple stuff, then there's no way we're going to walk into the things I'm getting ready to teach coming up. <laughs> okay, I'm going to start wrapping up. Go two, two more verses. I get to say that a couple times, I think. <laughs> Verse 35 says, same chapter. And the children of Israel ate manna 40 years until they came <clears throat> until they came to an inhabited land. That's speaking of the promised land, okay? They ate manna until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. It's the promised land. In other words, for 40 years... They tested and tried the Lord and became the generation that would only get to the border of the promised land. It's the chapters of Hebrews that I'm telling you to go read. Um, I'm not willing to be that one. <laughs> um, I'm going in. I'm, I, I want everything God's got. He was grieved earlier, we read, he was grieved with them for 40 years. It was 40 years that they ate this manna. This manna was a, was a temporary was a temporary provision for the deeper rest that he had coming. And all along the way, he was saying, rest. Let me tell you, that word diligence in that be diligent to enter my rest, and he's talking about today, that word diligence has an earnestness, earnestly, promptly, without delay, today, enter my rest. And I'm going to tell you, the, the harder the season you're in, the harder the thing that you're going through, the more earnest that's going to be required to enter the rest. But I want to give you what the promise, what the promise of the word of God is, is that if you enter the available rest that you have today, he's got a deeper rest promised. <laughs> it's a test and, and it's, it's not a test to see if you're worth it's a love test and um, I'm saying that wrong it's a test designed because he loves you so much the manna the, the provisions of today are to see if you can do the trust fall because he wants to give you so much more he wants to go on across that border he's taken his idea was not ultimately manna. It was milk and honey. <laughs> and coming up, we're going to talk about rest from any enemies. Anybody need some of that? A little rest from enemies? <laughs> it, it goes on and on and on. He's got deeper and deeper levels of rest. But first, the command is be diligent to enter the rest that's available to you today. In Luke 22, this is, I promise this will be the last verse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I promised. Now I really got to do it. Um, Jesus is speaking, and you've, you've heard me do this before. You probably want the verse. Um, 22, 28 is where we're going to start. Um, you hear me say this all the time, usually when we're doing the Lord's table, because this is something Jesus said just after he, he had um, sat at the table with his disciples, and they had the four cups 
of his redemption. And then he says to them, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials. I'm going to read the next sentence, but I've got to stop here for a second. Notice that it does not say, but you are those who have continued in trials. Do you know that the people who went across the wilderness all the way to the border of the great rest that was coming, the promised land, they continued all the way through the trials, all the way to the border, and were not allowed to enter, were prohibited from entering the deeper rest. This says, but you are those who have continued with me in the trials. Do you know there's a difference? You see, what they did was not with him. The grumbling, the complaining, the, the not following the instructions. Because what? Because they, they didn't trust. They didn't have a faith that they were his delight and he was bringing them to something good. They weren't people of promise. They didn't have a faith in the promise. And so they set aside and complained. Instead, they didn't do it with him. They went through the trials. You know you're going to go through the trials no matter what. The choice is, I'm going to go through the trials or I'm going to go through the trials with him. And the latter one has a promise of deeper rest. And he says, and attached to this, but you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my father bestowed one upon me. That's the statement he makes after saying, you're the one who, who has continued with me in, your, in the trials. Okay. So, um... I believe that he wants to speak something individually to each of us this morning, something that I, I don't know what he wants to say to you. So if you're comfortable with it, we're going to invite the Holy Spirit to have a moment just that is entirely his own. Are you all okay with that? Okay, so um, if you're comfortable with it, just close your eyes, take some deep breaths. I'm going to put out there in just a moment, I'm going to put out there some, some questions that you may ask him, and I believe that he wants to shed some light, some revelation. We thank you for your presence that is always with us. We thank you that you've promised you never leave or forsake us. And so your presence is with us even when we have absolutely no awareness of it. We worship you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. And we ask you now, Holy Spirit, that you would grant a measure of awareness in your presence that, that you would become very, very real to us. Awaken our spirits to sense you now. Now I would invite you to just ask him, Ask him this question, do I believe that you, Lord, have provided for my rest?
Lord, now we want to ask you just one more thing. We invite you to shine light into our hearts. We invite you to expose, reveal what you want to heal, what you want to change, what you want to align with your ways. And so we ask this question, Holy Spirit, show me one area in which I fail to enter your rest because I'm not trusting you. Okay, if you received something, if he, if he shined a light or revealed an area where you're forfeiting your rest, you're not accepting your rest because you, you don't have the faith that he's laid up the provision for it. Um, do you know that repentance doesn't mean feeling sorry about it? It's, it's okay to feel sorry about things, but that's, that's not what it means. It just means to turn from it. It means to lay it in God's hands and accept part of his rest is to accept from him that he means to empower you with the Holy Spirit to let him have it, to do it different. And so if, if he just revealed something to you, I would invite you to take, take I'm just going to give you one moment for this, to do the repentance of letting him have it and asking him for the power of the Holy Spirit, this, this is a strange thing, for the power of the Holy Spirit to receive your rest. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you that you paid the ultimate price to make us a free people, a people who get the inheritance of rest. And we believe that right now, in fact, I pray in the authority of your name that right now you are, you are releasing rest in these places that you've just revealed over your beloved this morning. I ask protection from the evil one over the work that you have just done in hearts. That um, we claim this rest in the authority of the name of Jesus. And we say to all of our spiritual enemies, you cannot have it. Jesus bought this for me and you cannot have my rest. We thank you that you love us like that. And we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 We are dismissed. God bless all of you.